Welcome to this episode of the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. The mission of the Greenville Oaks Church is to inspire people to follow Jesus because we're convinced that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Find out more about Greenville Oaks at greenvilleoaks.org and connect with us on social media. We would love it if you could rate and review our podcast. It makes it easier for others to find us. And now, on to this week's message with Lead Minister Wade Hodges. Please turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 5, which opens with Jesus and his disciples crossing over to the other side of the lake, which is actually the Sea of Galilee. And that area on the other side of the lake was predominantly Gentile territory which from a Jewish perspective means it was considered to be unclean territory, populated by unclean people, unclean Gentiles, engaged in unclean occupations like raising unclean animals such as pigs. Hang on to that detail. It will come in handy in just a few moments. Jesus and his disciples, when they land on the other side of the lake, they land near a graveyard or a collection of tombs, which was considered to be unclean. And as soon as Jesus steps out of the boat, he's confronted by a man possessed by an impure or unclean Spirit, this is a rough neighborhood. And what is Jesus doing in such a dark, scary, unclean place? Mark goes into great detail about the effect this evil spirit has had on the man. He lives an animal-like existence. He's naked and exposed. He walks among the dead. He is isolated and lonely, set apart from people. He can't control himself and no one can control him. He's too strong to be bound by chains. The spirit within him has all but dehumanized him. He's alive, but he has no quality of life. The image of God has all but been erased from his being. But this evil spirit within this man is able to do something that 
others, including Jesus' own disciples, have yet to do in the Gospel of Mark. And that is recognize Jesus for who he really is. Mark tells us, beginning in verse 6, that when the man saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. And he shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you unclean spirit. The spirit uses Jesus's name and then invokes the name of God in an attempt to bind Jesus, to gain control of the situation so that Jesus will not harm him. But Jesus is the one in control of this interaction. Continues, Jesus asks him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. There could be as many as 5,000 soldiers in a Roman legion. That's a lot of evil spirits concentrated in one place, in one person. And that these evil spirits are compared to the thousands of Roman soldiers occupying the land is worth noting. Neither the Jews nor the Gentiles in that area were thrilled to have Roman soldiers occupying their territory. I'm sure some of them wish those Roman soldiers, all those thousands of soldiers, would just go jump in the lake. Which brings us to one of the strangest sequences in all the Gospels. I better read it to you, otherwise you might think I'm making it up. The story continues and telling us a large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. And the demons begged Jesus, send us into the pigs. Allow us to go into them. And Jesus gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out of him and went into the pigs. And this is how Jesus invented deviled ham. And the herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. All at once, all those evil spirits caused all of those pigs to destroy themselves, which is also what they were doing to the man just over a longer period of time. And all those pigs belonged to someone. They were worth some money. And while the man was more valuable in the eyes of Jesus, those who owned the pigs didn't necessarily agree. In fact, if you keep reading in verse 15, you'll see that when the people from that area come out to see what had happened to the pigs, and they see the man sitting calmly before Jesus, this man they couldn't restrain, this man who had been a nuisance, a nightmare, a disruption to their community, 
when they see this man sitting calmly before Jesus, they do not celebrate. They are not happy. They are not grateful. They are afraid. And they decide they want nothing to do with Jesus. He's just solved one of their biggest problems, but he's also disrupted a part of their economy. And they beg Jesus to go back to the other side of the lake, to go back among his own people. They want Jesus to leave them and their pigs and their settled way of life alone. Mark also goes into great detail describing the difference Jesus makes in this man's life. Now he's clothed and in his right mind. He's in control of himself. His humanity has been restored. And understandably, as Jesus is leaving, he wants to go with him. He wants to become a disciple of Jesus. Of course he does. But a Gentile man following Jesus would be a huge obstacle to the Jewish people on the other side of the lake. Now is not the time for that. So Jesus tells them, no, you go home and you tell everyone what the Lord has done for you. The people may think they're getting rid of Jesus, but they cannot get rid of this man or his story, his testimony of how Jesus has changed his life. The sower will keep sowing his seed among those people on the other side of the lake, among the Gentiles, through this man. This poor man, possessed by a legion of demons, is an extreme example. A worst case scenario. But it's these extreme worst case scenarios that help reveal and clarify Jesus's larger mission. If, as this story shows, the forces of evil are intent upon destroying all the goodness in God's creation, one of the primary aims and objectives of the forces of evil is to vandalize the image of God within humanity, then a huge part of Jesus's mission is to repair what the forces of evil are destroying, to restore the image of God in humanity, and ultimately to defeat the forces of evil once and for all. This is the gospel. This is the good news Jesus announces throughout his ministry when he says, the kingdom of God has come. The reign of God, the power of God, the authority of God is here in me. This is the gospel. Now this story and others like it may for some of us raise questions about the possibility of demon possession today. Or it may help explain some strange behavior in your spouse's family. <laughs> you don't have to believe in or buy into 
demon possession today in order to see and acknowledge that the forces of evil are still active in our world and aiming to destroy every good thing God has created. Please don't allow the question of modern-day demon possession to distract you from Mark's larger point in this story. And the larger point is this. The forces of evil have no authority over Jesus. The legions of evil have no power in the presence of Jesus. When Jesus' foot steps onto the shore, the forces of evil panic because they know they are in big trouble. Which means, and I think this is one of the big takeaways from this story, which means if we could just get all those annoying evil people in our lives in front of Jesus, maybe they would stop being so evil or at least so annoying. Now that doesn't sound quite right, does it? Because one of the challenges of responding to the evil we encounter in the world is that it's almost always easier to see and diagnose evil in others than it is in ourselves. To paraphrase Alexander Solzhenitsyn, the line between good and evil runs not between good and bad people, not between our enemies and us, not between two political parties, not between two different races, not between two different countries. The line between good and evil runs straight through the human heart. Wouldn't you love for Jesus to come and straighten out all the legions in our world, make life miserable for everyone else? Of course you would. Of course I do. but I'm not always interested in giving Jesus access to the darkest parts of my heart that can be just as distorted, just as disruptive, just as evil as the evil I so easily and readily recognize in other people. When it comes to the problem of evil in the world, There is no them. There's only us. The villagers banished this disruptive man to the graveyard for obvious reasons. But they also don't want the one who changed this man's life hanging around and further disrupting their lives either. The people in this story are just as afraid, just as threatened by Jesus at the end of the story as the evil spirits were at the beginning of the story. You notice that? All of them want Jesus to leave. Go somewhere else. Leave us alone. Turns out the man was not the only one enslaved to the forces of evil in this story. One way to make sense of these little stories in the Gospels 
is to always keep the larger story in mind. When we see Jesus entering a dark, scary, unclean place to confront and overcome evil, it's a preview of things to come. Because we know where this story is heading. And we know how it ends. As many of you are probably aware, and as some of you probably don't care, today is the first Sunday of Lent. Lent is a season of preparation, much like Advent, where we prepare to celebrate Christmas. Lent is a season of preparation in which we prepare to celebrate the resurrection of Christ on Easter Sunday. And different churches and different Christian groups emphasize different aspects of Lent, and some groups don't pay much attention to it at all. But one common point of emphasis is the inevitability, the essentiality, the meaning of the cross. Not just for Jesus and in his ministry, but also for those of us who follow Jesus. And so we are now on a six-week journey with Jesus to Jerusalem. We are on a six-week journey with Jesus toward the cross. Where he will be stripped naked and exposed. Where his flesh will be torn where he will be isolated in a lonely place outside the city, near a tomb, where he will be shrouded in darkness and where he will cry out in anguish. What is Jesus doing in such a dark, scary, unclean place like the cross? the same thing he was doing on the other side of the lake. Defeating the forces of evil and shining God's light into the dark, scary places in our world. Especially that dark, scary place that is the human heart. On the cross, Jesus is setting us free. from the evil around us, from the evil about us, and from the evil within us. And from the cross, Jesus is sending us out to tell others what the Lord has done for us. Let's pray. Lord, we ask today as we dwell on this story that you would open our eyes to your power to your authority, to your goodness that overcomes evil. And Lord, we ask as we lament the presence of evil in our world, as we see the havoc, the forces of evil are wreaking around the world and in our community, as we are tempted to project all of that evil onto others, we ask that you would also help us to be aware of the evil within us 
We ask that you would set us free from the evil that distorts our view of other people and distorts your image in us. We ask that we could be free in Jesus. And it's just in his name we pray. Thank you so much for listening to the message from the Greenville Oaks message broadcast. We hope this message enriched your life and can help you inspire others to follow Jesus because we honestly believe following him is the best way of life possible. Be sure to connect with us online on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.